Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. This episode is brought to you by Budai Media. At Budai Media, we help e-commerce businesses scale beyond eight and nine figure annual revenue with retention marketing and website conversion rate optimization. We help e-commerce businesses get to the next level by increasing their customer lifetime value and website conversion rate. Budai Media helped 100 plus e-commerce stores grow from all over the world in the last three years. If you think you need help with scaling your e-commerce business, let's connect. Email us your questions at contact at thebudaimedia.com. If you want to learn more about this topic or find out more details, go to thebudaimedia.com. Let me spell Budai to make it easier for you. B-U-D-A-I. So again, go to thebudaimedia.com to learn more. Hey, everyone. Today we are here with another live stream, another podcast episode. And I'm here with uh, Rochelle from Yotpo. She's from the U.S. Today, we will talk about uh, engagement-based loyalty programs, uh, which is one of the features of Yotpo. Yotpo is an Israeli-American company, and they do many things. We also use their SMS tool, their loyalty tool, and, uh, and they have review features as well. But uh, today, we will focus on loyalty only. And uh, I just want to say a quick uh, shout out to Elena from SMS Bump and Mihail. Actually, they connected me with uh, Rochelle. Um, so thanks, uh, thanks for the SMS Bump team as well. And uh, hey, Rochelle, it's good to have you here. How are you now? Thank you. I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me in the podcast. Really excited to be here. Yeah, so let's start with some personal story. When we discussed for the first time, you already shared me uh, that you are from uh, Costa Rica, if I remember correctly. Yes. And uh, please share share uh, with us uh, more, like uh, what's your background? How did you end up at Yotpo and in digital marketing? <laughs> of course, of course. So I am originally from Costa Rica, you remember, right? Um, I've lived throughout my life in different countries, more than five, including Australia, Israel, and then I've been in the U.S. for almost seven years now in different cities. I was in Boston, mm-hmm. in New York, Houston, and we'll see what's next. <laughs> um, and digital marketing is just so present in everyone's life. You just need to stop for a second and look around you and you're going to be intrigued of how it works. Why is it so powerful? And that's what happened to me a couple of years ago. Um, after studying a bachelor's in psychology, I did a master's in economics. I was really looking for a role that will allow me to study human behavior while I worked. And guess what? That's what I do on a daily basis on Yotpo. So I'm part yeah. of Yotpo, as you said. It's a company. We have loyalty. We have reviews. We have SMS. And what I specialize is in loyalty and referrals platform. So I really get to understand what people care about, what should brands care about, what their customers care about, and really study all of this. And this is how I ended up at Yotpo, how I ended up studying this and, and really working in this area. Yeah, amazing. When, did, when uh, did you join the company? I joined the company almost three years ago. Okay, so and... it's been a ride, I guess, because I know Yotpo became a unicorn last year, I think. And uh, 
how was the last three years and where are where where is the company going now Honestly, that's that's such a good question because I feel like the company that I joined three years ago, it's so different than the company I work for right now. Uh, we've been just growing at an accelerated pace. Um, we've been acquiring companies. So as you mentioned, we acquired SMS Bump last year, beginning of last year. Um, and we've just been growing a lot and a lot. And as you know, e-commerce has been rising also this past couple of years. So We've been just going with it and, and trying to keep up with, with the growth of the industry. Um, so it's a really different company. It's just much bigger, many more employees, many more products, many more offerings, and really just trying to keep being the leader um, in this industry, which is moving way too fast. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazing. So let's talk about uh, engagement-based programs and zero-party data. So I think let's start with the definitions. What is zero-party data, if anyone doesn't know what it means? Really good question. So zero-party data is basically information that customers voluntarily give brands about themselves. So it's not information that, that brands can get from like different sources or that brands can track. It's information that me, as a customer, I decide to give the brand. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 for me. I mean, I work with this every day, but so <laughs> for me, yes, but maybe not for all listeners. So, yeah, basically, we can call it also uh, permission-based marketing, I think. Uh, or this is the, this is, uh, we need zero-party data to do permission-based marketing, right? Exactly. So people give us their data. We don't uh, stoke them or, you know, we don't use these uh, pixels and all of these things, which are getting uh, regulated nowadays more and more. But uh, they give us permission to use their data and they provide us these data. Exactly. And I think the important thing to think is that um, is data that is provided, provided voluntarily. So there's two parts of it. On one hand, Um, brands don't have to guess or assume what you want anymore. They can't just like, okay, they get information from social media and get information from these other sources and then kind of like create up the persona that they think you are. And based on that, they're going to recommend a product, for example. Instead of that, they can ask you, what is your favorite color? What is your shoe size? What is um, something, what, what is a hobby that you started doing recently? And with all this information, they can know what you want and what you like instead of assuming it. That's on one hand for brands. And then on the other hand, for customers, you might ask yourself, like, why do they give this information so freely? It's because they want to be part of your brand and they trust your brand. And if they trust your brand to the level of giving you this information is because they know that what you're going to do with this data is going to allow them to have a better experience and they trust them to take care of their data um, So this is how brands have to start thinking about it and really thinking of ways of getting this information in a way that the customer is going to be happy with it and the results are going to be seen at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And recently I can see more and more companies and brands going into this direction. One of the big reasons is that, as I said, things are getting regulated now with Facebook next week, next uh, year with Google and uh There is no other option, but also, you know, people are getting smarter, consumers are getting smarter. And uh, also, I think this really let brands to communicate better with uh, 
with their customers. It's just more customized, more personalized. Um, Let's talk about loyalty programs, uh, engagement-based programs. So let's start with the definition again. So what what does it mean? What, What is this, if anyone doesn't know it? Yeah, so it, it's it's really a good segue into why we're talking about zero-party data. <laughs> why does it relate to loyalty? So we, let's start with what are engagement-based programs. So engagement-based pro- engagement programs are programs that are not transactional. So if we look back, what loyalty and rewards used to be is that someone spends a certain amount of money and then you, you give them another discount. So it's very transactional. Like you buy from me, I give you a discount or a coupon or something like that. An engagement, engagement-based program is something that relies on building a relationship with the customer. So it changes from transactions to relationships. So today people are more focused on values and customers are much more conscientious and more sophisticated. So they're not going to be happy if a brand that they're part of just gives them a discount code once in a while. They want experiences. They want to feel, feel part of the brand. Um, And this is what I mean with engagement-based programs. You need to reward your customers with experiences and things that they really care about. Um, So giving them a discount code, again, it's not not making it anymore. You need to be more more smart and you need to be smarter in the way that you reward your customers. Um, And this is what what we're trying to do with this engagement-based loyalty programs. Yeah, amazing. I think now everyone understands it. And uh, yeah, as you said, discounts are, you know, kind of boring nowadays. Um, And brands must be more creative. And uh, that's where the brain power is needed, right? To be creative. So maybe let's help brands and listeners how they can be more creative. Maybe can you share a few examples what they can offer to their customers? Of course, of course. I honestly, I love this topic because it's all about emotions. It's all about understanding who your customer is. So, for example, we have a client here at Yahoo. Um, they're an Australian brand called Princess Polly, and they understood exactly who their customers are. So, their target audience or the people that they sell to are Gen Z. So they took that information and they're like, okay, what do these people care about? How can we reward them in a way that is not very transactional, that it's not the way that everyone's doing it? Let's think about them. Let's put ourselves in their shoes. So the first thing they did is that they said, okay, 99% of our customers are Gen Z. So we have to create emotional um, rewards for them to be engaged with our brand. So to be very specific things that they did, for example, is that they created a VIP tier system and they rewarded people with different experiences so for example um, one of the rewards was if you buy certain amount and you're part of certain tier then we can feature you in our social media and Gen Mm -hmm. Z really cares about this if there's a social media account with more than they have millions of followers and they're featured in there this is something that they really care about Another example is that they have exclusive access to a VIP Facebook group. So people who are buying more for the for the brand are part of this exclusive club of people who share interests, who share um, maybe fashion interests and all these things. And people really wanted that. 
so they would buy more. And then kind of like the best reward that this company gave to customers is backstage um, tickets to a music festival. So imagine like, I think loyalty programs before would never, would never be this broad. They would be like, okay, let's give them more discounts. They give, let's give them free shipping. Let's give them all these things, a coupon that are right now, maybe they're nice to have a discount code, but how about let's take you to a music festival and give you VIP access. I feel like that makes you feel more connected to the brand, more more part of what they're building instead of just like a consumer of their products. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, the music festival example. What, what products do they sell? They sell clothing. So they're a fashion. fashion. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I could see a recent example that uh, brands, I think it's not as creative as a music festival, <laughs> but they, uh, they offer the Amazon gift cards, I think, which is, yeah. uh, it's interesting because it's a brand, right? So they, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For example, I, I thought of another brand that they, what they give customers is like early access to things. So if you're in like the highest VIP tier, then you have early access to sales. You know, there's limited uh-huh. quantities. Yeah. Sometimes you want to be the first or you have like the first look at new arrivals. Like, wow, I'm special. I'm the first one to see what's new. And if I really like the brand, um, I'm going to be very excited about this. I feel like now we have to think that customers are so sophisticated that they're not ha- they're gonna, not going to be happy only with amazing products, but they need amazing experiences with brands. And yeah, this yeah. is where emotions come in. And this is where loyalty programs can really allow you to create that bond with the consumers. Yeah, yeah. With our uh, with the email lists of our clients, we also do this that uh, for VIPs for the most loyal customers, we have early bird access nice. to VI, uh, to Black Friday and Christmas offers, and uh, they get uh, you know access like two three weeks before those holidays to to those offers. Great. Only the top few percentage of uh, of their customers. Hmm. Let's That's talk great. about. Uh, VIPs, so VIP tiers. I right. know it's a feature in Yotpo that uh, someone can set up VIP tiers. Um, I can see brands setting up two, three, four different tiers. Mm-hmm. And uh, when do you recommend doing it? Because obviously, if I just start out my e-commerce brand, you know, I have a small list. But when should they start thinking about these tiers? Ooh, I think brands just should start thinking about this early on, even if they're not going to implement it right away. And what I mean mm-hmm. by this is that VIP tiers and loyalty programs in general required a lot of strategy um, in order for them to be successful. So as soon as you start with your loyalty program, make sure that you have a provider that provides the service of helping you build this loyalty program and understanding VIP tiers because it sounds really simple. You know, you have bronze, silver, and gold, and people have different incentives. But mm-hmm. what does it mean for the, the customer? And what does it mean for your brand to give away all of these incentives? How are we going to make sure that, of course, it's important that the customers feel val- valued and, and they have this emotional re- uh, connection, but also that financially makes sense for the brand. You know, you, don't, you can't just give things yeah. away without thinking about it. So I think in general, 
VIP tiers are a great way to deepen the relationship between brands and customers. And I think that early on, brands should really have them to just motivate their customers to increase their engagement with the brand and really reach more customer lifetime value, for example, or promote more brand community, for example. I think it's never too early to have the VIP tiers and they can actually power your, your business much faster than you if you don't have them. Yeah. How many customers should be VIP, like the top 1% or 50% of them? I saw a brand who sent out newsletters and for them, everyone was a VIP. They used it all the time. You are a VIP for us. You are a VIP. Hey, you are a VIP. And uh, They had really good uh, conversion rates, but I'm skeptical because, you know, if you if you overuse this, you are not an important person anymore. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know if I can tell you a percentage because I really, really believe that it depends on the industry, the country that you're in, the size of your brand. Like there's so many components. That's where I say like strategy is so, so important and like thinking about it. So I won't give you a percentage because I don't I don't think there's one. But what I would say is that you need to make sure that you're you're, you're gamifying this VIP system mm-hmm. so that people actually can jump from one to the other. If there's a situation like what you're just describing where everyone is a top tier VIP customer all the time, then what is the value of that? Like, I'm not going to do anything else because I'm already a VIP customer. And I think yeah. what we need to ask ourselves or what brands need to ask themselves is, who are my, my best customers? How do my best customers behave? And then take those answers and then create the VIP tiers depending on that. If my best customers, maybe for a brand, is a customer that um, spends more but buys less times. Maybe they buy twice a year, but they spend a lot depending on the brand. Mm-hmm. There's other brands that it's a customer that buys every three weeks and they buy maybe less um, volume every time. So whenever you understand who your best customers are, how they behave, then you can start thinking, okay, so maybe this type of customers are the ones we want to have in VIP, like premium tier or however you want to call it. Um, to start thinking like, okay, if these are my best customers and this is how they behave. What do they care about? How can I make sure that they want to go to the next tier and not just stay where they are because everyone's a VIP? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. And uh, can you share a few other examples of of real life brands, what they do, what works for them, maybe what doesn't work, just a few do's and don'ts as a suggestion for listeners? Of course. So I recently worked with a brand called Homeworks. They are a luxury fragrance brand who Mm -hmm. during COVID, like many other brands, had to really quickly pivot and go from brick and mortar to e-commerce. Um, and I think one of the things that they understood early on is that e-commerce experiences have to be very sophisticated. Like you really need to give your customers a good experience because it's not like they go into the into the store and they smell the fragrance and they see the candles and they can touch them. So how are you going to recreate this experience when you're doing it online? So they started with Yahoo. They started with all of our products. So they have SMS, they have reviews and ratings, and they have loyalty and referrals. And they did a really, really great job at promoting the loyalty program before 
um, before launching it. And for months, they were creating this anticipation of like, we're going to launch something great. We're going to mm -hmm. come up with like this loyalty program. And I think they, they did this in different channels. So it was not only on their website. It was on their website, but also on the social media accounts and also on email. So this idea of like reaching customers everywhere they are is really, really important. And also with the SMS, reaching your customers in your mobile. Like they saw, wow, something big is coming and they saw it on an SMS and then in the email and then in the website and then in the social media. So it was like a really robust strategy of promoting the loyalty program. And the results of that is that whenever they actually launched the program um, in less than three months, they already saw 11x ROI, 11 times ROI um, on the investment on Yahoo, which is huge. Like you invest money in a platform and you want it to work. And then less than three months in, 11x um, on that. Or another incredible stat is that they saw 25% increase in retention rate. So one of the big topics right now is that you should think about acquisition, but that's not the main focus. You should really, really focus on retention. So this is where loyalty comes in. How do you retain customers? How do you make sure that they stay with your brand? And if a brand can see 25% increase only in the first three months of having a loyalty program, that really speaks to, first of all, the how good loyalty programs are, and then how important it is to have a good strategy behind it and really promote it in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. 11x is, you know, that's that's crazy ROI on, on loyalty, indeed. Yeah. And like one of the other um, stats that I really like about this client is that they could see how redeemers purchase four times more than non-redeemers. Mm -hmm. What this means is that people who maybe like acquire points, they purchase one time and never use their points, purchase one time, let's say. And then someone who kept using their points, meaning they actually liked the incentives that they were getting and the rewards that they were getting, they purchased mm -hmm. four times more. So that really speaks to, okay, why do we focus on just acquiring more and more customers? Instead, let's focus on people who already love us and really give them a reason to keep coming back to our brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um now we are in Q4, so early November. We are uh, two weeks from Black Friday. And I'm curious, what is your uh, number one tip for, for the last quarter? Mm, I think this is going to be a very interesting Q4. Um, I would say that my tip is play the long run, the, the long run game. Um, I think it is important, of course, to create a strategy in Q4 to, Q4 to acquire new customers just because it's a time that an, a lot of customers are looking to purchase products and to go out there and everything. But my recommendation is to already think about your strategy for Q1. And Q1 strategy should be focused on retention. So you're going to acquire a lot of new customers during Q4. Probably you're going to do a lot of campaigns, maybe discounts, maybe something around Black Friday or the holidays. And that's great. But what are you going to do with all these new customers? Find ways to keep them coming back to your brand. So that they not only are a one-time purchase holiday purchasers, but they are lifetime customers for your brand. So I would say like 80% of your attention should be focused on customer retention and not only on customer acquisition, even though that's kind of like what everyone focuses on this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I totally agree. Uh, not just acquisition, 
all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, well, yeah. So my next question is uh, a bit more personal. So I'm really curious who is uh, one person or even multiple who you really look up to in the world of marketing or you really yeah. find them as a mentor or, or someone who you really, you know, find an expert in this area? That's a really good question. It's a really hard one, I would say. Um, I think I have to say, maybe this is not the answer you're looking for, but I really admire anyone in marketing who's able to keep up with the trends of what's going on with new technologies, with new trends, with new everything, while at the same time keeping the essence of their brand or their person, like who they mm -hmm. are. So I think I would say that I really admire anyone who is on top of all the new trends, people, technology, thoughts, everything. But at the same time, they are keeping the essence of their brand, of who they are. How do you jump? You jump on trends, but at the same time, keep your style. Anyone who has figured that out has all my respect. It's really, really hard. Um, and I think... This is something that that we all have to think and balance throughout our life. So I don't have a name for you, but I do have a definition of a lot of people who have been doing that. And I really, really admire them. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page with you because it's so hard to know the new channels, the new ways of marketing while you still understand, you know, human psychology and, and who you are, what is your brand. And uh, you can you also know how to convey your message on these different platforms because all these platforms are really different and there are new platforms all the time. So it's really hard. New right. algorithms. Everyone talks about like multi-channel. You have to be here and you have to be there and you have to do this. Yeah. But how do you do it without losing who you really are and just becoming like a follower of trends? I yeah. think that's when kind of like things really happen is okay, maybe you can go viral. It's hard, but maybe some people can go viral. But how do you become like a like a ongoing viral thing instead of just becoming like, okay, I'm following a trend and maybe like uh, people saw me, but that's it. You're dead after 15 minutes. Like how can we continue that? Um, and I think that's the secret ingredient for that, for that is keeping who you are very front and clear. Like, Okay, I'm yeah. jumping on this trend, I'm doing it, I'm being everywhere. But like, if you're able to inject your own personal formula into that, then that's, I think, when you actually can sustain the, the marketing or like successful marketing, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think these were great uh, closing words uh, for today. Thank you, Rochelle, today. And uh, thanks everyone who watched the live stream or uh, listened to the podcast later. And uh, every week we come out with a new episode, so stay tuned. If anyone has any questions, uh, then just comment below uh, and we can forward it to Rochelle and we can uh, answer those questions. And uh, my last question to you, so if uh, anyone wants to find you or Yotpo, where they should go? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And if you want to find me, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Rochelle Savadi, that's my name. Um, you can email me, Daniel, you can uh, circulate my email as well. And Yodpo, go to yodpo.com. Take a look at everything that we're doing. Um, amazing things are coming. Um, and you can look up our site. <laughs>
Yeah, thank you. We will put these links into the description so everyone can uh, find these. And uh, thanks again. Stay tuned. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.